Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. And uh, we are here to warn the nation, just like Isaiah and Jeremiah did in each of their days. And uh, we're here to help people respond in faith, just like Isaiah and Jeremiah did in their days, calling people to faith and repentance and to follow the King of Kings, the Lord of Glory. So that's why we're here. We got warning today, and we've got a response of faith in faith. It's all related to November 3rd. And I don't think I need to remind us, but I'll just say the obvious. It is Election Day, and we want to hone in on what does the Bible tell us to do? What does it teach us about Election Day? And it's actually a lot, and I'm looking forward to getting into some fresh material. I just want to mention for those of you that... Um, that are having a hard time setting enough, enough time aside to listen to this on YouTube. Remember that you can find us at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Look under Forerunners of America, not Insights, but Forerunners of America. And Insights is our, our, our podcast title. Um, but anyway, you'll find us there and you can do it while you're driving or, or working in the yard or, or the house or whatever. And so anyway, please pass the word along to others. And again today, I'm welcoming back to the studio, Than Christopoulos. Welcome, Than. How's it going? Doing great. Yeah, you've uh, you've been up to a lot since our, our last recording. You've been to Arizona for a little R&R. You've also been putting out some uh, videos. And um, remind me of your new um, channel at, at YouTube. Yeah, so uh, for those of you listening that don't really know me as well as Dave does, uh, I there's been slowly but surely a calling to ministry in my life, and as things would have it, I think the Lord is placing me in the apologetics side of things. So I just launched an apologetics-based channel called Exploring Reality, and it's aimed towards my generation and younger people. So there's a lot of wisecracking and jokes and a lot of high energy stuff going on in there. But I launched my first video last week and the newest one's going to launch today, actually. Awesome. Awesome. So exploring reality. Is that right? Yep. So just go to the search bar of you at YouTube and put in exploring reality and you're going to find Than. You might. There's another channel named Exploring Reality, and it's a guy that I don't really know what he does, to be quite honest with you. Um, so if you're going to search me, make sure that the thumbnail thing is like a blue spacey background with white letters that says Exploring Reality, and you'll find me. Great. Well, I'm glad you're able to get some more content out there, Than, and we're looking forward to get more more and more of your content posted and archived at forerunnersofamerica.org. It's going awesome. to be great. So we'll talk more about that. But we got a huge topic to dive into today. Wish we had two hours. We don't, but we're going to do what we can here. Uh, so, um, okay, so we want to talk about November 3rd, but it's super important that we are rooting this in the scriptures. And actually, this might be hard for people to believe by the time we get to the end of this. But Than, everything I'm doing here is rooted in the scriptures. Forerunners of America is not first and foremost a political organization, but we speak into politics as, now get this, 
as politicians wander into the realm of the Bible, they wander into the realm of faith, they wander into the realm of church. I don't even know if they always know that they're doing that, mm-hmm. but they are. And so we got to call them out and we got to help the body of Christ uh, through, like I said, warning the nation and responding in faith. We got to help the body of Christ navigate this. And uh, I believe actually November 3rd, um, somewhat in a special way towards Americans is is spoken about in the Bible. And so we got to lay the, the groundwork here. And hey, to, to help do that, um, Than, would you read Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 7 through 10? Be most definitely so. It says, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. And if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. All right. Well, Than, is that talking specifically or exclusively to the nation of Israel, or is it talking to all nations? So that's a really good question. And me being <laughs> really into my my biblical exegesis, I would say I think it's a generality of how God addresses nations in general because he's not speaking specifically to the nation of Israel in this instance because otherwise he would say, if Israel did this, then I'll do this. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, totally right right on. It's like we have this timeless principle in Scripture, and I got to get on a just a, a brief footnote here. Mm-hmm. I've said this before, like within the last few years of doing insights here, that— uh, I run into Christian leaders, and in this case, it's been somebody who's been a pastor his entire life, and he's in his 60s, and he's actually getting close to retirement. And I run into people like this all the time. I read them the passage you just read, Jeremiah 18, 7 through 10, and it's like, they're like, where's that in the Bible? I've never heard that before. And this is like one of the most important scriptures for the day and hour we're living in America. Of course, it applies to any nation. Um, as you were just highlighting, uh, it begins there. Um, if at any moment I see a nation or a kingdom, and it goes on from there. And so here it is. It's like, again, this super important um a passage, a timeless principle that everything is uh, is hinging on and that, that so many in the body of Christ have not heard. Now, that specifically, it talks about if we, any nation, if that nation does evil in his sight or if they repent, and these are the very things that I believe are at stake um, in general, but also specifically on November 3rd in terms of what we're doing. We'll get to that later. Now, we see in this this scripture that you just read that that the principle is that God is weighing each and every nation in his balances. Obviously, that includes America. Now, what else does the scripture teach in terms of how do we know then are we on the positive of God's on the positive side of God's balance? meaning we are obeying to a significant degree, we are following him, and there's blessing in store? 
or how do we know if we're going to be judged like it explains in that passage? And it specifically says his desire is to plant and to build up. But if we're ignoring his voice, we're rebelling, then how do we know? And so um, we're going to connect some other scriptures here, but I want to answer this question of how do we know where we are in God's balance by saying this in summary. And that is, if you look at three areas, there's a biblical paradigm And these three areas will tell us if we're moving more towards God's favor or more toward away from God, really rebelling from God and moving more towards judgment or shakings and these kinds of things. So the three areas are these. First, where is the government leading you? And we're going to show this from Scripture. And yes, there's, there's application right now today for us. But where is the government leading you? The second question is, what do the people want, you know, apart from government? Now, of course, there's going to be overlap, but what do the people want? And number three, what is the church saying or not saying? You might rephrase that to what is the church doing or not doing? Sometimes our silence in the church speaks as loudly as words, but it's basically a paradigm of the government, the people, and the church. And this repeatedly shows up throughout Scripture as a pretty major theme, actually. And um, I've been studying this for the last two to three years, and we have to understand this because this will tell us, related to Jeremiah 18, if we are tipping the scale more towards the positive or more towards the the negative. Um, so, anyway, I want to hit a few examples. But Dan, do you uh, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I. You just hit it on the head pretty much, so please go on. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to keep hitting it on the head here for a few more minutes before we get into the practical application of November 3rd, 2020, just coming up very close here, just in about two weeks. So, okay, so I just want to give some examples. Now, this theme is in at least 21 passages throughout the Bible. And I know people are probably saying, how come I've never heard of this before? <laughs> Well, I thought of that too. And like I said, I've been studying this for two to three years. Now, I'm only going to give a couple examples because we got so much ground to cover today. But let me stick to the book of Jeremiah because then we can more easily remember it. We've already quoted Jeremiah 18. I just want to stick in Jeremiah so, so everyone can remember this more easily. Starting, actually, in chapter 1 of Jeremiah, at the end of that chapter, uh, God is... Throughout the chapter, God has been calling Jeremiah into the ministry of a prophet, a prophet to the nation of of Israel, the southern kingdom, Judah. And at the end, he specifically says that you will stand against and you'll even need to fight against, meaning Jeremiah will need to stand against and fight against. Now get this, the king and his officials, and it explains it specifically in verse 18 on that, Also, the people, they're not going to be happy with Jeremiah. And also, he'll need to stand against the prophets and priests. Now, the New Testament equivalent is the church. But throughout the Old Testament, we get this tandem of prophets and priests. They're the ones who are leading the people. And Jeremiah specifically is told you will have to stand and speak the truth to those three groups of people. And again, where is the king? And that's what we're talking about today is government. Where is the king or the government leading you? Jeremiah, you've got to speak into that. What do the people want? Or, or, or maybe they're rebelling. You've got to speak into that. And then number three, the prophets and priests or the church. You've got to speak into that. 
okay, that's just his calling. Now we get into chapter 8 and actually the context of Jeremiah 7 going into 8. But God is explaining through Jeremiah major judgment, devastation that's coming to Judah. And he explains this again. It becomes crystal clear in uh, Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, that that he doesn't explain the Babylonians are coming in that passage. This is explained elsewhere in the prophets. However, when the Babylonians Babylonians come, they will will, um, specifically... uh, take the the king and his officials it often says princes king the king and his princes we might think of the president and his cabinet in today's language specifically the people and specifically then the priests and prophets they will be killed and their bones will be uh, strewn on the land not buried it's very specific but it's these through three groups of people their bones will be strewn across the land where it will be before the stars of heaven which they worship they forsook they forsook god the one true god and what mm-hmm. they did is they worship the stars and the queen of heaven and the gods of baal and moloch and all this has gotten to such an extreme degree that god says i'm at literally going to judge you and i'm going to, because these three areas have all rebelled against me, I'm going to to um, to judge you with this this severe judgment. Now, very briefly, uh, this paradigm shows up again in Jeremiah 34. It has to do with will the people, the the king and government, and and the priests and uh, prophets, the church, will these three groups will they obey God related to putting their own people into slavery? And they first they do, but it's pretentious, and then they take back their slaves. And God, again, promises judgment, but that's highlighted in Jeremiah 34. But then putting a cap on all of this, just putting a cap on it, is the last chapter of Jeremiah, chapter 52. You might think of we started in chapter 1 with Jeremiah's calling. There's one bookend. Now we're in the last verses of the entire book, Jeremiah 52, and that's the other bookend. And here we are again. It specifically mentions a couple of things that are very interesting. First, um, in that chapter, it talks about the actual buildings of these three groups will be destroyed through the judgment. And it specifically talks about the king's palace, which there's your government headquarters. Then it talks about the houses of the people will also be destroyed. In judgment, and then third, it says the temple, which is our New Testament equivalent of the church, and it's like God is showing even in the physical buildings. I am so angry. I am so um, uh, uh, specific here. I'm showing you even through your physical structures. These are the areas I will judge. Now you just skip some verses later in chapter 52, so almost to the end of the book, and it shows up again. The Babylonians now have come in Jerusalem has been taken, it's destroyed, um, and there's these three groups of people that show up again. We've got the king, or not the king, he's actually been taken away already, but we have the king's princes and their officials. That's the government. And it also talks about military leaders. There's another branch of the government. What what are they going to do? What's God going to do with that group? Well, I'll say it in a second, but secondly, it gets a a remnant of the people, it specifically says 60 people that are still living as a remnant of the people in Jerusalem. And then third, it 
takes some of the priests and the officials of the temple. And it says that God takes those three representative groups of those three categories, the paradigm, the government, people, church paradigm, he takes them and he slays them. God comes in a final judgment to Judah. And then it says the rest of the people were exiled. So anyway, Than, I'm just trying to explain. Uh, we could also talk about other books. Uh, some good things happen with the paradigm, meaning the government, people, church paradigm. Some good things happen in, in 2 Kings chapter 11, 2 Kings chapter 23. Um, then removed from this kind of thing is the book of Haggai. End of chapter 1, going into chapter 2, it talks about this same paradigm. And it explains there, they're just rebuilding the temple. It's a different context. But in Haggai, this is mentioned. It's these three groups of people. Yeah, I I got nothing to add, Dave. I mean, my only two points would be, one is you bring up a really good point that most people that even I've talked to about this in the past and currently even will even say, where is this in the Bible? Why haven't I heard of this? Which I think highlights a big issue that ties into what you're talking about, which is where is the church? My second thing that I would ask you is most people hearing what you're saying are probably going to be thinking, well, that's the Old Testament. Right. So are there any examples of this paradigm in the New Testament? Well, a couple thoughts. First, I just want to mention that um, I've actually not heard anybody teach on this before, even the very brief teaching I just gave this over the last few minutes. I'm planning on including this in um, my next book. And so anyway, pray that I can get that thing done so people can have this at their fingertips. All right. Um, and okay, does this show up in the New Testament is what you were just asking. And, and the answer is yes. And it's really, I mean, again, this could be like a half hour explanation. Let me do it in about 30 seconds. <laughs> but in Luke chapter 23, verse 13, Jesus is... Uh, on trial before Pilate, and who does Pilate call in? Now, now we're under Roman occupation here. Um, the Jews are still holding together culturally and religiously as a people. It's kind of complicated. But who does Pilate call in before him? He calls in. It says, the rulers. There's your government. He calls in uh, leaders of the people in Jerusalem leaders of the people, the representative head of these families, the common man, if you want to put it way, that way. And number three, he calls in the priests. And there you are. And what's really stunning about that passage, if you start again in Luke 23, starting verse 13, for the next several verses, not only do you have the three groups of people in the discussion Pilate has with them, Three times he, he's telling, asking them what to do. And three times these three groups of people say, crucify Jesus. And it's like it's done. It's mm -hmm. like now the people have spoken, the government has spoken uh, of, the, of the Jews, and, and the, the religious leaders have spoken. And it's all three people, three times it's declared and it's done. And Jesus is crucified. That's really interesting. I never actually thought about it like that. That's really cool. <laughs> okay, so what? here's Stan where we got to go next, okay? We have got to help people see why this is so important related to November 3rd. 
related to this election. And I'm hoping everybody can sense this already, but I am not one of those people that says, oh, separation of church and state. Let the church (laughs) spin around over here and then let real culture and life in the government spin around over here. No, that's not at all what the Bible teaches. In the paradigm I just shared, the government is a third of what is taking place. And Jesus said to be salt and light, and he meant in every aspect of culture, which includes the government. Now, just to really hit this home, fan, I just got to say this. Let's take it from the enemy's vantage point, because we've been saying this in the church for a while, like, well, don't worry about politics and and just, you know, that's a whole different realm. And, you know, there's so many ways of arguing this stuff. I believe it's a complete misunderstanding of what God has for America or any nation. But as I was just going to say, let's go back to Satan. Imagine you're Satan. Now, Than, don't do that very long. And, and listeners, don't do that very long. But just imagine you're Satan for a, a minute, okay? And suppose... There's three spears. The tip of the spear, one is is the king or what we're saying is the government. Number two is the people. Number three is the church. Now, let's suppose you have the tip of the spear in all three areas. Let's suppose that as Satan, you have got to strategize on how to take a godless culture and make it wicked and evil and anti-biblical, anti-God. Well, then as Satan, you find out that the people of God, the church— They're not even going to show up in the government. They're not going to show up to vote. They are not even going to discuss this because we just want to focus on the church and we'll stick to Sunday mornings. Okay, now if you're Satan, and and, and Than, we're coming to the end of our little minute or two here where you're thinking of yourself as Satan, and then we really want to cut this off quick. But if you are Satan, what would you be thinking at that moment when you find out that God's people and the biblical truth aren't even showing up in the in the arena? The culture is mine. <laughs> right. I you know, I mean, I just think of he's evil and he will lick his chops and bring destruction. And that's what we've done, fan. We have allowed the enemy to just carry sway. And then if you look at the what we've highlighted and exposed many times here uh, through the media, what they've done, you are, you are absolutely living in a culture that is deceived and not even engaging in the battle, what I called a minute ago about the point of the spear in this realm. So something you brought up, I actually talked about this with a few other individuals at one point, and I'm not going to go down the whole rabbit hole of history here, but I, I think at least I've been able to pinpoint where this happened, where as a church, we decided to step away from the culture, step away from politics and kind of isolate ourselves. And about 120 years ago, the fundamentalist movement started where we pretty much as a church said, well, you guys over there are not biblical and you're kind of acting contrary to the Bible. So we're going to go over here and not mingle with you. And you can kind of see from that point on, historically speaking, just the degradation of the culture and the degradation of the church as that kept happening. So I think you're very right that we need to reassimilate ourselves into the government and into the culture. 
Right. And I, I want to keep this so rooted in scripture um, because people are going to be saying, oh, you're just talking politics. No, I'm talking scripture. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into some topics here in a minute that God gave us his opinion, if you want to put it that way. God gave us his opinion on these topics 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. And what we're doing is ignoring what he has said. And so, again, just before we move into all the practicalities of November 3rd, I just got to say again uh, some scriptures. Um, Salt and light, okay? Matthew 5. Um, We're supposed to be salt and light in every aspect of the culture. God Mm -hmm. is weighing nations in the balance, Jeremiah 18. We do have a paradigm of these three areas that need to be looked at and evaluated in terms of what's going on in the in our culture in, in that one-third in the government. Okay, but also uh, Ephesians 4 talks about the mind of a unsaved Gentile, and it specifically talks about that that mind is darkened. As you read in Ephesians 4, it also talks about that it's calloused, a calloused heart, a darkened mind, a calloused heart. And it gives some other adjectives there as well that explains what they're like. And Paul's saying, don't be like this, okay? But here's my point related to the government. If we continue down this path of not voting or not being aware of issues or not fighting for biblical truth, that again, like I said at the outset, It's politicians that are wandering into Mm -hmm. our realm. It is not us wandering into the function of the state. They have embraced immorality that is specifically spoken about in the Bible. So we are allowing then, according to Ephesians 4, people with a darkened mind, calloused heart to actually dictate. This is a massive error. Now, now, one other scripture, just because it's so important, is the Lord's Prayer, and we invite God's kingdom, kingdom to come in the Lord's Prayer right mm-hmm. here, right now. Well, yes, we want his kingdom to come in our lives, and our families, and our local churches, but it's not to end there. God's kingdom coming and making a difference in us and through us, through the church first, but then it going the, the king, God's kingdom, the sultan like going into every realm, whether we are talking about government like we are today, or we're talking about Hollywood, or we're talking about the military, or we're talking about the family structures, all of it, everything, God's way is best, and we need to apply as such. So, okay, so here we are, Than, on November 3rd. <laughs> oh, like <boy>. I said, <laughs> coming up about two weeks. I hope people are watching this or listening to it the day it comes out because it'll be about two weeks. And we got to think about this. We got to share this in, uh, if not Bible studies, I I'm, I'm guess I'm saying at least Bible studies. And uh, if you're a pastor from the pulpit and these things like the, uh, the, the government, people, church paradigm and all this stuff. But we have got to realize what's on the ballot is not neutral, secular topics. What's on the ballot based on who you vote for it's deeply biblical mm-hmm. and in many cases anti-biblical is what I'm really saying. And, and, and let me just throw out a few that I, I would like us to touch on today, Than, and that would be abortion. Uh, sexual perversions are, are also being promoted by various politicians. Um, globalism versus sovereign nations. We've talked about this a number of times uh, over the last two years or so. Um, on insights, and then, and then fourth, which has really become a big talking point this year, 
uh, mostly because of of so many under uh, um, so many exposing Black Lives Matter and and Antifa, and that is Marxism. So you know when I look at this election, whoa, abortion, sexual perversions, globalism, which God has a very strong viewpoint on. In Marxism, like, what are we doing when we're saying we're not going to vote or we're not going to uh, study the issues and vote for candidates that are uh, that are lining up more closely with the Bible? Yeah, most. I think you bring up a really good point when you make the distinction that it's not politics. That's not that it's not the Bible going into politics. It's politics entering the realm of the Bible, um, and all these things that you brought up are really important top topics that need to be talked about and at least within my generation you hear a lot of people saying well it's not my job to hold people accountable to god's law if they don't believe in it as if belief makes you exempt from the law itself right it's just stunning um it's stunning and honestly than whether i'm talking about senior pastors or i'm talking about just the average christian that has just whatever job and is in church on Sunday and doing Bible studies, I honestly believe it's because we're lazy. We are lazy. These these topics and finding the truth in the Bible and articles where Christians have written on them, it is not difficult to do. But what I would, we oh sorry, I'm just, I thought I just you were done. To, <laughs> right, I just wanted to finish saying it. Not only is it easy to do but it makes a difference in how we vote and what we're doing in, in various realms. And just to dismiss it, is, is it's just a huge mistake. Yeah, most definitely. The other thing I was going to add, and you said, you said it's really lazy of us, but I think the other thing is when we look at the Bible and we look at the faith and we look at what Jesus teaches us, uh, our, our culture has started valuing social peace over truth itself. And if you look at the life of Jesus, even that is not that couldn't be further from the truth. He valued social peace, but at the same time, he stood for the truth. And I think that's another thing that we need to take a look at ourselves as a church and see what we really care about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Jesus didn't always uh, promote peace. Now, if it was focused on God, he wanted God's shalom, God's peace. Mm -hmm. But what did he say in Matthew 10? He said, I come to bring a sword. Mm -hmm. And it was a sword of division over the very issues that we're talking about here. It's like, no, you have to um, discern and you have to be uh, careful about what's going on. And he, Jesus even said, there will be children divided from from their parents over this, fathers and mothers. You know, mm -hmm. there will be people within your nuclear family that will land differently. But just to ignore the issues and not even talk about them, again, it's negligence. And I don't, when I look at these things like abortion and sexual perversions and so forth that we'll get into here in a minute, um, I just don't want to have the blood on my hands. I don't want to be responsible. I want to at least share the truth. And yes, Ephesians 4, do it in love. Yep. But I don't, I don't think being silent was ever Jesus or Paul's strategy. No, I mean, textbook example of Jesus doing something in love perfectly, but also not being very peaceful about it is flipping tables and whipping people in the market. 
uh, right. He took a strong stand, to yeah. say the least. Yes. That was not culturally acceptable. It's not like you can sit back as a theologian and go, oh, well, this happened every other week because there was always <laughs> irate people in the temple. No, Jesus took a strong stand that was not culturally accepted. Yep. Okay, so just want to touch on some of these things because it's so important that we understand that we could be legislating um, immorality and we want to see morality legislated. But, you know, abortion versus being pro-choice, I'm I'm sorry, abortion slash pro-choice versus being uh, pro-life. From the very beginning, again, this is biblical. God said this 4,000 years ago or so be fruitful and multiply. He stands continually throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament, for life. He is not saying that it's okay to kill the yet-to-be-born in the womb. Uh, You know, this is something, when you kill your own offspring, this is something that pagan cultures do, meaning they're worshiping spirits, Mm -hmm. and what they're trying to do is appease the spirits and then, and, and in cases, both biblical and throughout human history, they will actually do child sacrifice or human sacrifice to get on the good side of these spirits, which they're all demons, and I don't need yep. to get into all that today. But we are opening the door for the demonic. If there's only one reason to go to the polls and vote, it would be, in my opinion, over pro-life um, to see that move forward. Now, now, there's many other issues to go to the polls. Yeah that are biblical, but I would say this is a key one. Yeah, definitely. The other thing too is because of the paradigm being that the church is involved within this process, I think it's also really important for us as a church to understand that abortion itself and the pro-life stance isn't just strictly a stance based off of our Christianity. If the bones of Jesus were discovered tomorrow, I would still be pro-life. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's murder and it's unjustified taking of a life. So I, I think educating our church on why our stance is what it is would be very powerful as well. Mm-hmm. And I believe getting to the polls is vital. I remember when um, some years ago, uh, when my wife and I and our family, we moved to Michigan, there was a, a representative to the to in Washington, D.C. from... Um, from the state of Michigan, and he was a Democrat, and his name um, was Bart Stupak, and he was pro-life, and and he he's in the Democratic Party. It seems like over the years since then, it's been harder and harder to find pro-life Democrats, but the point is we need to study. We need to find where these people are, mm-hmm. and if we've got uh, Republicans that are out there saying things that are pro-life but not giving us solutions, we need to hold them accountable as well amen Um, we uh, i said well something i said the other day was when it comes to the pro-life stance one of a lot like a lot of the secular arguments against it is if you're really pro-life then you should be supporting the mothers that can't afford to have a child to which i actually agree i think the church is the first institution and body of people that should be stepping up to the plate to help out these people both financially spiritually and physically and that's what would have happened, at least to a greater degree, before 1973 when Roe versus Wade gave us abortion on demand. Mm-hmm. And the church needed to step up and, 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 you know, in many cases did. 
Okay, we also need to talk a little bit here about sexual perversions because it seems like there's been the mainstreaming of homosexuality. I think that can go um, without explanation. Transgenderism is becoming more and more mainstreamed. And then actually more recently and kind of off and on over the years, but even this year, pedophilia, um, sex with children is becoming a bit more accepted among certain uh, politicians and and it's I know it seems unbelievable, but w- most people don't realize that by not going to the poll and not knowing what people in your state, your district, or federal government what they believe in these issues, we could actually be complicit. In other words, aiding and abetting uh, this this whole thing. And and so there, these are huge things, you know. Twenty. In uh, 2015 was Oberhel- Oberfell versus Hodges, where, where um, a gay marriage was, was mandated in every state. Well, there's many people that say this is not healthy for culture, and we can see that scientifically. We can also see it throughout history. And there are people willing to speak up on this issue. We need to find out who they are and who holds on to traditional family values. Yeah, no, I— for for me personally, this is a really difficult one because there's there's a very distinct matter in making it forcing people to do something or not do something, and also maintaining their their freedom that on which this country is founded upon. So for me personally, at least, I have a I have a hard time and I struggle with this particular topic because while homosexuality, trans transgenderism. I'm not going to lump pedophilia into this mix, but at least on homosexuality and transgenderism, it's a more difficult topic because when you're relating to these other people on the other side, they're not coming from the same worldview and it's difficult to legislate freedoms. If do you get what I'm trying to say here? I don't, I'm not, I'm struggling right. to articulate it. No, I, I do hear what you're saying and it's actually should alarm us a bit. And you know, Last insights when Eddie was on, we talked a lot about prayer between now and the election and beyond. But what you're actually getting into is that our culture itself has become more and more um, anti-biblical, especially in human sexuality. So we might even think we're a good Christian as we're doing the very things that are the opposite of what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. And therefore, where's our culture at? And by the way, our elected officials should represent the people. And if this is where culture is at on homosexuality, transgenderism, in terms of going back to Jeremiah 18 and God weighing nations in the balance, this is not going to bode well. We obviously need to be sensitive and explain our positions. But more today, you know, Than, we need to do that on another Insights. Yeah. Um, but more today is... November 3rd is critical on these issues and we need to stay at home on our couches is to really ignore a platform. Um, and I, and I want to, I want to be clear about something here. If it was up to voting for somebody's personality, I don't think I would probably vote for Trump or for Biden. Mm-hmm. I'm not really excited about either of their personalities. <laughs> And that could be a whole nother insights. Podcast. We're not voting for a pastor. We're voting for a po- our, a president for policy. Well, that that's that's one way to put it. But it's like here's what here's where we're we need to land the plane. Not what is Trump's personality. Not what is Biden's personality. 
But what is the platform? Everything we just talked about, it's spoken about in the party platforms that we'll get to here in a minute. Now, unfortunately, just because of time, we're not going to cover um, globalism versus sovereign nations. Um, but again, God, God does have a strong opinion on mm-hmm. this. He created nations. Acts chapter 17, 26, Paul affirms God putting every nation. This is an absolute... Um, uh, um, uh, contrast to open borders. And, and I just want to highlight here that every year in America, we uh, accept immigrants, one million immigrants every year. And so in that sense, our borders are, have always been open. We've always been a, a country that has invited people in. But but open borders would be absolutely against what the Bible teaches. Marxism, we'll do another insights uh, um, fan because we got to hit Marxism again and, yeah. and fresh fresh stuff here, but time is is getting away from us. But um, but anyway, uh, you know I do believe that politicians, the government, have wandered into the realm of faith, and mm-hmm. I believe that we have got to wake up and help other Christians see how this is, um, help non-Christians. There's many people that are God-fearing that go to the polls every year. We have to help people realize um, what's going on here. And I want to I wanna just make this super practical by reading um, a couple, uh, a few bullet points that compare the party platforms of, uh, of the Republicans versus the Democrats. And sometimes you get a uh, a Rand Paul, who's uh, a truly libertarian, and he, you have to weigh how that person lines up. And mm-hmm. like I said a few minutes ago, you have a Bart Stupak, who's pro-life in the Democratic Party. You have to look at the whole picture um, of what's going on here. But let me read what actually the platforms have evolved into here as we head in to our 2020 election. First, the Republican Party on the issue of sanctity of life. Uh, This is a quote, actually, from their party platform. Proud to be the party that protects human life and offers real solutions for women and strongly oppose infanticide, which is another way of saying abortion, including specific support for the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, a Human Life Constitution Amendment, a ban on abortion at 20 weeks when unborn babies can feel pain, a ban on abortion based on sex or disability, a ban on dismemberment abortion in which unborn babies are literally torn apart limb by limb. So that's the Republican platform. The Democrat platform, um, quote, says Democrats believe every woman should be able to access reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortions. And again, we have to ask ourselves here, where is the government leading us when you look at that, what the Democrats believe, and where is where's the Republicans? And how does this line up with the Bible? Next, they, they say uh, will, that the Democrats will oppose and fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to reproductive health rights. Well, is it a reproductive health right, or is it an opportunity for the church to step in like you described, Than? Um, and is this actually murdering the yet-to-be-born? And I obviously believe it is. Okay, on to another topic, redefining of marriage. In the Republican platform, this is, these are, again, these are actual quotes from the platform. 
Um, so we can know what, what candidates are about. It says, quote, the, the American family is the foundation of civil society and the cornerstone of the family is natural marriage. The union of one man and one woman, exactly the verbiage of Gen, Gen, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we condemn the Supreme Court's ruling in Oberfell versus Hodges and urge its reversal, which would mean that we go back to traditional marriage, which all cultures have embraced throughout human history, not just American history. And then the Democrat uh, platform is silent on marriage and family being the foundation of society. And then there's uh, um, obviously some big differences between the platforms on the LGBT agenda. I just want to hit one more on this, and that is God in government. I was not aware of this, but the, the, again, a, these are a, actual quotes from the platforms. If God-given natural inalienable rights come in conflict with government, court, or human-granted rights, God-given natural inalienable rights always prevail. We support the public display of the Ten Commandments as a reflection of our history and our country's Judeo-Christian heritage. And the entire platform mentions God 15 times. Now, on to the Democrats. They are silent on the role of God in government. They are silent on the source of human rights, they, which, of course, we as Christians believe is the Bible. Okay. Th third, in the Democrat platform, they, they celebrate the paramount importance of maintaining the separation between church and state. We've already talked about the, the government uh, people church paradigm today, so there's not supposed to be this kind of separation. These are these are moral biblical issues, and then uh, the entire democratic platform mentions God one time. You know, so anyway, uh, here here in Michigan, um, there, there's various voter guides, and I'm sure this is true of every state. But there's just huge difference. Like I'm looking at the Senate race between Gary Peters, a white Democrat. And John James, a African American Republican, and there's just a stark difference on just about everything we talked about today. We we need to pay attention to this stuff, and we need to vote accordingly. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. So, are you going to vote on November third, Than? Oh yeah. <laughs> now, are you going to do it according to what the Bible teaches, or are you going to do it according to what you feel like in the moment? My feelings don't dictate truth, so. So you are going to vote according to your feelings. Okay, well, that's good, Than. <laughs> Just joking. I know, I think all of our listeners know that you're very rooted in the word and truth and you have uh, convictions and Amen. so forth. So anyway, I hope so. <laughs> so anyway, we live in different states and um, hopefully our, our votes will truly um, make a difference and stuff. And I, I'm just grateful, um, you know, that your generation, Than, that there are people like you that are, are awake to things and are getting the word word out. And, um, and thanks so much for, you know, being a part of this insights today. Thank you. I got to get going. I got a work meeting in a minute. So. I'm just going to give, a, after you go, I'm just going to give a, a short conclusion here. But uh, okay. blessings, brother. And we'll Thank you. be with Bye, you everybody. again soon. All right. So um, I am now fan-less, but we are going to just wrap uh, this up. And I just want to say that you know, a few things a few things in closing that um, that most Christians I talk to explain that they never hear what we talked about today 
on these on this insights video, and yet it is centrally centrally biblical. It's not centrally pol political. They have wandered in, and and we need um, to be speaking on the most pertinent issues of our culture. We've talked about some key ones today related to the election, but apart from an election year, we have got to in the church the senior pastors, all of us that teach anything, the the the. Um, our families, we've got to be especially focused there that we have to be talking about every topic that's pertinent going on in culture, meaning it's pertinent to the Bible. It is pertinent to God. And if we continue to refu if we continue to refuse teaching on these topics that are foundationally biblical, um, our people, uh, believers, will have no idea what to do on this election, November 3rd, or on any year. And really, we can, at that point, we can lay at our own feet as Christian leaders, just Christians in general. We can lay at our own feet uh, the shedding of innocent blood, um, the sexual perversions that are going, going forth, and in um, so many other areas. In short, no, no more blame shifting. The church, we need to quit blame shifting. This is not everybody else's problem. We are part of the paradigm. Remember, the king or government is the first part, the second is the people, and the third is the church. And we in the church, if we do our part, we actually would help to move the people and move the government in the right direction. This is up to us. And so, in closing, that's what the Bible teaches on these issues. But more specifically, this is what the Bible teaches about the government, one-third of that paradigm. There's three tips of the Spirit, and we have, to, we have to help people understand this. And this is how God is weighing nations in the balance. Uh, I look forward to getting out to vote myself November 3rd. I hope you get out and vote. We are part of the government in this country um, because it's government it's government of the people, by the people, and for the people, as President Lincoln said in his Gettysburg Address. And these topics, they're all in the Bible from thousands of years before there were Republicans or Democrats or Libertarians. We need to align ourselves in how we vote with what God is saying. All right, I look forward to being with you next time on Insights. Insights.